What's up guys? Welcome to episode eight. Today we're going to be doing another book discussion with my good friend Chris Heaney. Um, and we're going to be talking about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we all listen to the book. I'll do a quick really? overview. You can push your hand. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> uh, quick overview of the book. Um, it's kind of about the theory and science behind that. <laughs> It's kind of about the science of habits, um, and so he presents a uh, kind of a model of how habits work, and kind of also ties in how uh, habits, um, you can use them to uh, basically improve your life and kind of a framework about how to think about habits. Um, so he kind of outlines this idea that a habit consists of basically a, uh, a cue, a craving, a... Uh, response and a reward, and you can go look this up online, but it kind of forms a cycle. Um, and based on that kind of model of the four parts of a habit, uh, it proposes laws about how you can build and break habits. So um, for making a habit, the four laws are uh, basically um, make it obvious, meaning uh, you want to make the cues for your good habits very obvious. Uh, you want to make it easy such that um, Basically, uh, oh, second law, sorry, is make it attractive. So that craving that triggers the habit, uh, you want something to make it really easy to get into the action that you take. Uh, the third step, which is the response, you want to make that action easy to take for your habit. And then the fourth one, make it satisfying, is uh, the reward from your habit should really make you feel good. And now for breaking habit, the four laws are make it invisible, which means, you know, the cue for your habit, kind of getting that out of mind and out of sight. Uh, make it unattractive, basically that craving part. If you can make that craving weaker or even um, develop an aversion to that craving, uh, that can help you break a habit. Make it difficult, which means that action you take in your bad habit. Uh, make it as hard as possible to take that action. And then fourth, uh, make it unsatisfying. Uh, the response to that bad habit uh, that that basically that reward that you get, you want that to be unsatisfying. Yeah, like a punishment instead of a reward, basically. Yeah, so um, so I thought we'd just kind of start and get into like what something each of us kind of took from the book we'll, and we'll kind of just riff off of that. So do you have something uh, on, in, on mind, Shane? Where do I start, you know? Um, this book was almost overwhelming for me because I was like, I know how much this book would help me if I could really implement it. And there's so much good stuff in it that um, it's like, I feel like I have to go back and like read it and like make a whole plan and system of how I'm actually going to implement it in my own life. Um, but one of the really interesting things um, he talked about was the whole habit stacking so if you want to um, implement reading a book um, and you want to do it at night, you lay your book on your bed. And so just little things like that um, so that it's in your mind. Um, for example, I started leaving like my ring light out and my camera tripod out. And usually I like very like minimal, like I like everything put away. Um, but that helped remind me, like, I need to film 
I would get those constant like reminders throughout the day. So I thought that was a really cool and easy rule you can implement. And um, I don't want to take everyone's, so I'll just let you guys talk a little too, and you can yeah. come back to me. Um, we already talked about it a lot. Well, and you and I talked about it too. It's like it was a, it was an amazing book. Yeah, I thought. Um, you made the point, Chris, that it was really concise, which I agree. So, you know, for anybody listening, I mean, the, we, we all did the audio book, right? And it, I mean, I don't know how long it was, probably six or eight hours or something. Maybe even like four hours. Maybe less. It almost, it almost feels like it's like a user manual, like an instruction <laughs> book. Like it doesn't, yeah. I, th I think as an author, if we, if we talk about kind of the actual writing and like, it, it doesn't seem like his ego is that like injected into the book. You know what I mean? Like he uses some examples of, of how, you know, habits that he developed. Like he talks about when he went to college to play baseball and he got injured and beginning the habit of, I think it was just lifting weights and he like put on like 20 pounds and it helped him with baseball. And, but those anecdotes didn't something Chris, you pointed out, it was like those anecdotes are just as long as they need to be. He doesn't like, there's not a lot of fluff in the book, which I liked. Yeah, and I really love those anecdotes because they're inspiring me to realize that I think sometimes we get in our own head and we're like, we think, wow, I'm so disorganized or like, it's pathetic that I have to like really make a system for myself. Like you feel pathetic having to implement like strategies to get off bad habits, but the way he really like goes about this book is he's like every single person struggles with this and that's just humanly innate and here's the reasons why like we struggle with behavior change because um it's even like it's a scripture in the bible like i do all the things that i don't want to do and um and i don't do the things i want to do and mm. i feel like everyone can relate to that when you want to make a behavior change and it's so hard and he just like the fact that like Benjamin Franklin and other people were like implementing these things in their everyday life, they struggled with the same things as us of like staying on task or yeah. um, changing their behavior. And that's like really inspiring to me that all these people have kind of played with this whole system of habits. Yeah. Like, so I think one of the reasons that I decided to check out this book was that Chris Williamson recommended it on that podcast. And he said that like most, a lot of self-help or self-improvement books can be like summarized in a paragraph. And I think this book is hard to do that. Like, yeah. And that's, and that's what makes it good is that it has a, a lot of, there's a lot to it. It's not as simple as just, Oh, make better habits, lose your bad ones or whatever. But to me, like, I, like the, if I think about the essence of the book, it's, it's kind of trying to get across an idea that, you know, that the system is more important than like the destination or something. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, yeah. And every self-help book and every like motivational video is setting you up to like, be like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then failing. Like Gary Vee says, make more content. It's that simple. Just mm -hmm. make more content and stop giving a crap about what people think. But yet it's so hard to implement making more content when you have your habits so ingrained into your life. 
And so this book actually helps you kind of unpack all of your bad habits and, mm. and unpack how you can like go about implementing the good habits. Yeah, I think uh, calling it a user manual is pretty interesting because when I was reading it, and I already kind of think like this, but it's telling you some of the theory about how habits work and, and really how human behavior works. And then saying, one, given that you know that this is the model for human behavior, like how can you program yourself almost to uh, do things each day that are good for yourself or not do things that are bad for yourself? So it's like you're kind of getting like this really concise explanation of how um, you can program yourself. Um, and so some people like that might be like, uh, they might not be interested in programming themselves, but if you look at a lot of successful people, that's essentially what they do. They come up with ways for each day to put out content, to write, to exercise, to um, code, whatever the thing is you have to do. And there are a lot of tricks that you can do to basically uh, make sure you get those things done. And I think the book gives you a lot of mental models about how you can do that for yourself. And so in essence, it's like a very strong or a high ROI on reading it or listening to it. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's interesting listening to it and being like, oh, what do I already do? Like, I already do some of these things. Like, yeah. I take a hot bath every morning and it's to get me out of bed because I don't want to get out of like my warm bed and like go walk the dog in the freezing cold. And so I'm like, okay, first you get a hot bath and then you can start your day and it like wakes me up. And so that's like one of the reward things that I already use in my life. So it's, I thought that was interesting too. So yeah. like think about what you already do. Yeah, that's what me and Chris were talking about. The book, it was, uh, it kind of like stroked my ego and that like I already, it, it helped me make sense of some of the changes I've made in my life the past couple of years with hindsight, you know? Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, Chris and I were just talking about it and you know, now with, with working out, I like try different programs and different like types of movements. And I like kind of obsess over like the details of, of my strength training. But when I started, um, going to the gym about two years ago, um, I just went and I like literally did whatever I wanted for 40 minutes, like really quick. And I didn't have any program. I like never did squats cause I didn't like doing squats back then. And, and looking back at it, it's kind of like how he talks about making every habit, like initially just two minutes long is one of the things. And it's like, you, you like literally, if you want to start running first, all you do is like put on your running shoes every day. You don't even have to go run, but you just, and once you start getting it, the habit automated, this is kind of what Chris said. It's like, it's, you don't have to think about it anymore. And what, what I noticed recently, and what I think would be interesting, we all talk about like, maybe some of the habits that we're trying to implement or trying to get rid of. But like what I noticed uh, today actually was like, I got home and it was early and I was just feeling kind of lazy. And, um, and I had a couple hours before I was going to pick up Chris to go to the gym. And I knew that I like, I had a lot of time to meditate and like, get a good meditation in, but I was like, just wanted to watch YouTube videos. Um, and I started to feel weird that I wasn't meditating. And I think that that's kind of like what happens when you, when you make something a habit and you start getting a streak, it's like, you feel like something's missing when it's not there. And once you get to that point, it's pretty easy just to keep doing it. But he did, um, mention that 
it's much easier to fall off than it is to create a habit. And that that's why he has a rule because we're human and we are going to like miss the gym that he doesn't miss a workout like two days in a row. Mm -hmm. And I thought that rule was a nice one to implement into your life. Like it's okay to have a cheat meal, but your next meal, make sure it's Mm -hmm. healthy. Yeah. I think it, that gives an interesting point of, um, kind of, even if things seem like a gimmicky rule, they can actually add a lot of value. So, um, in college I got into meditating and meditating is about like being, you know, kind of at ease with yourself and being forgiven, uh, towards yourself. Right. Um, otherwise it's hard to meditate, but interestingly that can make it hard to keep the habit because people will say, well, if you don't meditate today, like that's okay. You know, like don't be hard on yourself, but then that makes it very easy to not do it every day. And so you have to like with a habit, even holding yourself to just go to the gym every day, even if you get a really bad workout in, it keeps that structure to it and keeps you going. Yeah. Um, and so just holding yourself to simple rules like that and um, I think it's really important for carrying your habit through. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, like eating healthy, right? Like that's something that like I, like I generally have been eating pretty healthy for the past year and I lost a lot of weight, but it's like I started dieting hard so I could lose weight. And then it's like, once you lose the weight, it's like kind of hard to like keep, you know, it's like the reason that you did it is, is, is like disappears if you get to an outcome. I don't know. And that's, that's another thing in the book is he talks about, and he got this from Scott Adams. Um, the guy, I think his name is Scott Adams. The guy who created Dilbert is goals versus uh, systems. So a goal being, you know, I want to lose a certain amount of weight. I want to run a mile in a certain amount of time. Um, I want to win a certain award versus a system is I'm going to eat healthy each day or I'm going to work out every day or, uh, you know, I'm going to have the habits of an author or yeah. coder. And yeah. so, and he kind of talks about how goals um, kind of don't last, essentially, like you're saying. So if yeah. you want to lose 10 pounds and you over-optimize and lose those 10 pounds, uh, when, once you hit that goal, now your motivation goes away and you fall off. But really you want is lifelong habits yeah. that like you want a system of being healthy that once you get that system in place, it doesn't disappear. Right. And so I kind of think about the book is like talks about building a system and then a component in those systems are all your habits. And so you want to build a system of being healthy and now what's, you know, the end set of habits that you can, uh, right. That live make the, up that system. Live the life of someone the focus is living the life of someone that's healthy instead of all of the focus being on, I need to lose weight. Yeah, it's because, like a continuous goal. It's because like, our brains, the way they work, he said was, if you the focus is only I want to lose weight, then you will do crash diet and you'll um, take diet pills and you'll do whatever you can to just lose weight. But if the um, focus is I'm going like, I'm going to live like a healthy person, even if I'm not a healthy person yet, then you're going to the gym every day. You're, and you know, this one person made an entire system that was so detailed, like quarter one, focus on food log, quarter two, um, get to the gym every day, quarter three, like the create the contract where he actually had to like, that was where the punishments came in, where he had to pay someone if he didn't um food log for a day 
and then he had to wear, like, he had to dress up um, Monday through Friday, and on Sunday, if he didn't um, work out. Yeah, so it was a habit contract, right? And then he signed with his his wife and uh, and his trainer, yeah. So that's, that's like, something really cool about the book, I think, is that you can literally go on his website and find the template for tracking your habits, and I did some of it. So there's like there's like a habit tracker. There's one where you just write out your habits, what you do every day, and you kind of assign it. Is this neutral, positive, or negative? So it kind of gives you an idea of like what you want to add or or stop doing. And um, yeah, um, I thought this was. I found this note that I wrote down. I thought it was cool. He, this is kind of at the beginning of the book. He talks about how people with better self control actually use their willpower less. So they don't even put themselves in situations where they have to use their willpower. And I heard, I hear people like within kind of the fitness sphere talk about that a lot. Like your willpower is so finite. And if you're constantly being tempted and having to use your willpower, it's not going to last forever. So building us like we're talking about diet, it's like not like building a system where you don't even get the temptation. And that's kind of, um, one of those laws, right? It was like make it invisible. So there's not, you don't even get the cues for the bad habit. Yeah. So a good example of that is like when you go grocery shopping, not buying all the sweets and then needing willpower to stop you from eating the sweets. Yeah. An example of like making it invisible. I think, and also there's like the, there's some, there's some like psychological studies about how I think they call it, it's called ego depletion where you basically have a fixed amount of willpower over the course of the day. So usually people make good decisions in the morning and they make decisions they regret at night. So like oh, yeah. sending bad texts or like bad emails or eating poorly, it usually happens at night and it's because throughout the day you basically lose willpower, like the mental energy to yeah. have that fortitude. Yeah. And it is like a crazy, uh, basically willpower is overrated is the yeah. TLDR and that you should... Again, this is like you should program yourself around knowing that you have like uh, wide will willpower points a day, and try yeah. to make it so that you don't put yourself in a position that you use you yeah. need to use Z, you know. So, um, I, I yeah. think that's a really interesting point. I think this book was really. I think we've kind of talked about our culture before, like um, with a lot of things we've become soft as a society <laughs> soft, to it, <laughs> soft to say it nicely um and i find that a lot with my instagram and i i'm brainwashed myself i'm like you don't need to go to the gym shame don't be so hard on yourself you are like the fact that you need you're making yourself go to the gym is sick that means you have some sort of body dysmorphia you look great you don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to track your calories. Be a free human. You know, that's what like people tell us that in our culture. And the truth of it is, if you look at the people that you want to live like, me, I don't I want to live like someone that's super strong, super healthy and has an amazing body even in my 40s, you know? And so if I look at someone that in their 40s they look amazing and they're super healthy. That person goes to the gym almost every day and probably tracks their calories or at least pays attention really to what they eat. 
And so for me to try to like, with our society, it's so common. Like we, we tell ourselves, no, it's okay. You know, like yeah. don't, you don't have well, to so, like, so like a, buckle so down. Do you think a cue for you is like, is like Instagram? <laughs> like that's like a cue that kind of can be negative. I think that just reading other people's soft bullshit is like <laughs> not good for me. And like, so like, how do you, so, I mean, this is a bit of a riff, but <laughs> like there's, there's some sense of like the information you put in your brain is going to affect your thoughts, which are going to affect your behavior. And I mean, we see it right now, like people are constantly watching the news up in arms about how bad the world is. And it, there's a there's a sense in which you can program yourself to not think those thoughts just by not even consuming that information. Yeah. And like that's the whole like, don't consume the news, right? Like, it's not as urgent as everyone's making it sound. And so if you just stop consuming news, like a lot of people who don't consume the news are a lot happier. Um, and there is a sense of like it's a bit parasitic, and the news is telling you that if you don't watch the news, you're uh, basically a bad person and you're irresponsible yeah, you but it's forced. making you less happy and it's making you angry and you go in the world and you're a worse person it's like well you gotta there's this sense of agency where yeah like maybe you have to keep that information out of yeah. your brain yeah yeah focusing on what you can actually do to make the world even... a better place which is you know like volunteering or mentoring or um, what can and just being a nice person like versus going around angry and telling everyone what the news is saying. Like, did you see this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what are, Shady, what, what's a, what's a habit that, that you want to get rid of or that you want to implement that this book kind of inspired? Um, I definitely want to post more reels and like Instagram, Instagram videos, reels. like TikToks and stuff. Yeah. How about you? I think there is like, a, I don't know if Kanye actually did this, but I heard like he just made like a beat a day for like a whole summer. And it's just like, there is a sense that yeah. you think like great artists, like, oh, they just must be inspired and they put out hits. But then you like go and you read some stories and it's like, no, they were hacking the creative process too, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And there's this like, almost like, if you just put out stuff every day and then you comb through it, that's how you kind of like end up being great content creator. I think he talked about that in his book. Like, there, so there was like a photography class where, mm -hmm. right? So basically, in the book, he uh, he says there's a photography in the photography class. They told half the students to take one like amazing picture, and the other half was like a hundred. Just do like a hundred pictures or something, right? Mm -hmm. And the one that did like a hundred pictures actually had way better pictures. Right. So um, the people that had were just trying to get the one picture that was great. Spent so much time planning. That that one picture actually ended up yeah. being they not as good as the people who did a hundred pictures, and then were able to basically select through the hundred. Yeah, almost like it's like a Darwinian process where you just put out a hundred, and then you filter the population of content for like the top one. Yeah, and and the creative process works like that, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, and so I, I love the book because he talked. I mean, like that. It's not really like having directly to do with habits, but it's like. Like, I don't know, I took that as a reason to to have a new habit. Like, yeah, just create more. Quit worrying you know? so much on quality. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like Gary Vee says. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, if you do make a habit, like, I'm going to wake up every morning, hot bath, and immediately after the hot bath, real. And then that yeah. leads you to do a real every day. It's like the habit is then 
is almost like the implementation of the kind of the idea of putting like creating constantly. Yeah. But just saying I'm gonna create constantly doesn't mean anything until there's that like you you have a way of propelling yourself to do it every day, which is yeah, school. And you talked about um, everyone that's mastered something experiences it being boring, which I really liked because I feel like when I talk to people and even myself, I notice this, but, um, you know, they are super excited about an idea and then they like, they do it once and then they get bored with it and then they try some, it's on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And you're almost like, is this person like crazy? But then you notice it with everybody. Like you start like, that's how everybody is. We never like stick to anything. It's always a new business idea that like they never implement, you know? And I, and then, you know, when you listen to why it's usually, you know, I just got bored with it. You know, it's like me. I used to post a blog post every week and it just felt like no one was really reading it. It felt like, you know, just boring. And so I quit. And it says every master or expert, expert experiences boredom, boredom. The difference is, is, um, you learn to stick to the struggle instead of jumping to a new thing when it gets boring, boring. And then you, um, the key he talked about was the Goldilocks rule. So making it challenging, but not too hard. Um, because, so implementing like new things to make it exciting, but not where it's like so hard. Like one time I wanted to learn video animation and I sat down to learn it and it's like really freaking hard. And so I kind of just gave up on it. And so like, that's like a easy, like a good um, example for me is like, that was way too hard, you know? So yeah. finding a good medium of, let's just stick to regular video editing first before we jump into like trying to hack animation design. I think that is really big is like, if, uh, if you try to do something too hard, you're never gonna pick it up. And like being, enjoying the the phase you're at is really important to habits. So um, if you're like, if you're not content at the easy phase, you're never even gonna get to like mastery. Like for me, I've thought like, oh, it'd be really cool to draw, like be a master drawer right but like i didn't even enjoy doing it for 10 minutes so how am i going to get to like the ten thousand hours yeah. to be an expert and so it does kind of give you a mental model of like if you don't like doing it in the most simple way without being a master you're never even going to be a master and then that and that kind of can show you stuff like you can use that to understand like yourself better right like what's something skill that's like kind of simple that you could do for a long time and enjoy it um because a lot of people, they like, they, it's any, the master of anything seems, seems cool, you know, like, mm -hmm. so if you show me a master of like, uh, snowboarding or, uh, like deciding whether the eggs of a chicken are male and female, like there's people that are apparently a master that be like, wow, that's so sick. What am I going to spend the time yeah. to become a master of that? No. Yeah. And that's how I know, like, you gain a sense of like who you are. It's like, what are the things you could master? Right. Um, like understand your gifts. And he touched on that in the book too, right? He, he brings up the the big five personality traits. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly like, but it, I think that was kind of the idea of it. It's just like, like you're born with disposition to, you know, 
to do d- different skills and things that, like you said, naturally, like we were just talking about today and like, like Chris is a software developer and I like thought, like I, there was a point where I was like, oh man, like being a software developer, like looks so cool and oh, they make good money and they just, you know, they get to create like, uh, you know, these rules and logic all day. And, um, and I thought it sounded cool and I like tried it out for a little bit and I like could, and I did it for like a couple of weeks and I just, it, like, I didn't get that like bug. It wasn't like not even easy for me, but just exciting, I think. Um, and like we were talking about the difference and it's like Chris has skateboarded too. Like we used to use a skateboard at college together all the time. But it's like I like became obsessed with skateboarding and like would do it like like dream about it and watch videos and do it day in, day out. And it's like Chris just more chilling going around <laughs> different places, you know? And so it's like it's I think that the book does a good job of like like showing like that's okay that you have your individual differences and like, and you should be aware of them and, and, and kind of use it to your advantage, you know? And it's funny how this one tied into kind of the rich dad, poor dad one we were talking about, because he did go into, you don't have to be the best like writer, but you have to like be a decent writer and then good at like, I don't know if that was the example. Gave, oh, was that but, Scott Adams? Or? But that one you brought up in rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll be so like a good writer and a good salesperson. That's what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and something else. Like, this one guy had, like, three traits that made him, like, really great. Is um, it the guy who makes Dilbert? I think he talks about Dilbert? it. Dilbert? It's a comic? <laughs> yes, the like, comic. Like, he was, like, a so okay not, drawer and an okay am- com- comic, right? Yeah. yeah, he's not amazing at drawing, but he's good. And then he's not the funniest. He's not funnier than most comedians, but he's funnier than your average person. And then he had really good business sense. And so that made him this like really good yeah. drawing comic sensation. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that too is I, I'm pretty sure he didn't like, like reason out and say, oh, if I'm a good drawer, a good business person, <laughs> right. like I'm going to then be rich. Like there's no way he could have reasoned backwards from that on like a 10 year plan. Yeah. Instead, he bootstrapped from who he was. He just was going into the things he liked. And then... Then, 10 years later, once he's successful, it's like, oh, obviously, like, that was a unique combination. Yeah. But, like, the way to discover that, interestingly, is right. just, like, to trust your instinct. Yeah. And, like, go in, like, go deeper into the things you like and become an expert in um, what you're into. And I think a lot of my personal strategy about, like, how I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in life and what I'm going to be good at is, like, what do I like and what am I good at and what can I spend thousands of like thousands of hours doing right and then that's where i'm gonna go because that then uh, the opportunity will evolve from that and i think it's i mean like uh, yeah i'm into like coding which is um like you can get a job coding but i, I think it's really true for like any type of yeah like, i think like nature has inscribed in us like valuable skill sets like if you're very extroverted like that's not going anywhere i don't care about like all like the ai taking all our jobs like you should like hone that or if you like writing like i mean we live in like a you know age where you can put anyone can be an author and post stuff on the internet so like I, i'm pretty bullish on like people developing what's unique to them and that being essentially rewarded in life with like yeah. a career yeah he talked about it being a balance of exploring new things and something else Ex- um it's in software it's called like explore and exploit 
or like exploring is trying new things and exploiting is doing the thing that you know is already like most valuable. Okay, yeah. Which might, I don't know. Yeah, you gave the example of Google employees working. I always bring up Google somehow. (laughs) (laughs) He gave the example of Google employees, like a certain percentage, they get to do new projects. One day a week. And then the rest is like their expertise. Yeah, so Chris, what are, uh, what's a habit maybe that you want to implement or that want to break um well the one that i've been doing and trying to make a long lasting habit is uh meditation so started in college like i already said and then kind of fell off uh after school and so i've actually been doing it for like a week or two before we started listening to the book and then what i was actually already doing was right when i wake up in the morning since we're all working remote um i basically just meditate first thing right after I make my cup of coffee. Um, And so uh, that kind of goes into the book talking about habit stacking where one habit leads you into the next habit. So my habit is I make coffee uh, every morning. And so now it's kind of those two are becoming more and more coupled. Um, So I've been doing that probably for like the last month and a half and just hoping to stick with it because I think it's one of those, meditation is one of those things where it's like, you don't have to do it every day, but when you do it, I think you can make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a good thing to bring up is like the habit stacking. Um, and I'll say that it, uh, <laughs> it, it was a little alarming to me that like uh, the only reward I could think of was, was caffeine actually. Like all my habits, <laughs> I was like, Oh, if I do that, then I can drink a <laughs> drink or coffee. Um, but, uh, yeah. How about, so you said that the one that you want to implement Shane is making content. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to not do, like that, a bad habit that you might use the principles of the book to get rid of? I don't know if you know this, but I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of them for sure is he talked about keeping your house clean. And there's this guy that like always had a beautiful, beautifully clean house. And it didn't come down that he cleaned all, like he didn't really do like tons of deep cleaning he just did a little bit of cleaning every day so like whenever he's in the bathroom he like wipes the floor and and the mirror and just like wherever he goes he will pick up things and i've been trying to do that more in my life um even before this book like i heard a girl say like make sure you like um, if there's anything that's not supposed to be in that room, anytime you leave the room. So like in the bedroom, we bring like cups in every night. And so in the morning, anytime I leave, I like grab all the cups or any like ice cream, uh, yeah. barrels we left from the night before, yeah. <laughs> um, ice cream pints. Um, <laughs> I just want to do that eat like even more. Um, and I've tried to do that with dishes, like right after I get done, uh, rinse the dish off put it in that dishwasher that because I spend my weekends like cleaning up the house and that time could be spent doing other things if like throughout the week I was better at like instead of just throwing all my clothes on, on the floor like putting the ones that are okay to still wear like clean enough to still wear again and then the other ones go on like dirty clothes you know yeah yeah so one one habit that I'm trying to break is like buying things I don't need <laughs> like just basically shopping or like impulsive spending and honestly most of what I most of what I buy is like 
food, like groceries that I don't need for recipes that I won't make or something like. And so um, I think it's I think it's the third rule of breaking or yeah. So the third rule of like breaking a bad habit that Chris covered earlier is is make it difficult. So the thing that I did, it's just so like I basically like leave my debit card at home. I think I told both of you guys this, but I basically leave my debit card at home and I only use my cash app to buy things when I'm out and about. So I only have a little bit of money in the cash app at any given time. So anytime that I'm like, oh wait, I'm gonna buy this like new blender that's 80 bucks, I have to transfer money into that account. So it's like an extra step that makes me kind of think about it as opposed to just like pulling out my credit card and buying it. It's a small thing, but I have noticed it made the difference already. Um, I think that's an interesting um, point and an idea I like from the book he brings up and he calls it the Ulysses Pact, based on like Ulysses being on the boat and strapping himself, mm-hmm. uh, having his crew basically strap him to the boat so they couldn't go and uh, be sucked in by the sirens. And so Ulysses Pact is at when at um, one point in time, you make a certain decision and take an action such that it's impossible in the future that you basically do your bad habit um, or take some action that you don't want to take. Yeah. And like finding ways to uh, make Ulysses back is again, comes back to reducing the amount of willpower you need. Um, yeah. So, uh, and it's interesting because in some cases you can just kind of, uh, if you can pull the trigger, you can completely break a bad habit. So. One thing you can do with social media is you can literally delete your account, right? Like if you really felt like it was bad for you, you could delete and just in that one moment, you can impulsively delete your account. Like you lose everything you already had there and now you're off. And I'm gonna most people wouldn't do that. That's just an example. I liked what he said about, um, he had his assistant change the password every week. And then um, he could only log into it on a certain day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was he had the tweet scheduled out that the guy that wanted to start waking up earlier and it was like scheduled out to say, I'm lazy and that's why I'm still sleeping or something. (laughs) Oh, so you had to stop it every morning? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think, yeah, I think we'll continue to see like new apps and technology that basically revolve around how can people more successfully break habits and complete habits. Like, I think even like somehow if you can say put some money into escrow, some money you don't want to lose and then verify that, like come up with a verification that you're breaking a habit. And then if you actually follow through on it, you get your money back. And if you lose a stake, it's donated to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be very valuable, right? Like, cause a lot of times we want to break habits, but we don't have accountability. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something else I just thought too, is like, he, he talks a lot about especially in the end of the book, just how like observing and like tracking behavior is a actually like that in itself is a good method if you want to change or continue a certain behavior. So like, um, like he, like he gives like the habit tracking template. And I was telling Chris, like, like, because you know, caffeine, it's like, can only be so much of a reward for me. Like I realized that I'm trying to do meditation every day too. And, I have it in a Google spreadsheet so I can look at my phone or on my computer. Um, every day that I do meditation, I put a one. If I don't do meditation that day, I put a zero. And so like that little reward of just doing meditation and then 
tracking that I did it is like enough intrinsically where I keep doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, uh, again, this is like one of the cool things about it is that he talked, you know, about, about tracking your behavior and like, it's something that I've been doing and, and maybe it made me look back on the past couple of years and be like, Oh, that's, that's why I've found success with X, Y, or Z because I write about it every single morning and I'm constantly like monitoring my behavior. Like with my health, it's like, I track all my, um, my strength. I track all my lifts every week. And then, you know, I track my weight every day. I take pictures of myself in the mirror every day. Um, and it's, that in itself is a good way to like keep me on track for my goals. Just just observing it and tracking it. I think, you know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how profound effect it can have. And he talks about, you know, with habit tracking, I think it was that focus on a few habits, not like so many things. Mm. And I find that like hard for me because I'm always like, today I'm gonna be so perfect. I'm gonna meditate and I'm gonna work out and I'm gonna read. And I'm gonna make all this content for my podcast, my Instagram, my work. Like, I have, and, and I'm gonna clean my house. Like, I make this like unrealistic to do list, and it's like just focus on a few habits and track those. And I really liked the whole paperclip thing because it's like so visual, and it's like here's this oh, yeah. one habit. That Can you, you explain that? Um, so they just have two jars. And um, I don't remember what the person was. It was a salesman. Sales call um, was each paperclip, and he was a salesman, and he wanted to make like 150 calls a day or something. And so each time he made a call, he put it into the jar, and then once the jar was full, I don't know, did he have a reward or something? No, I think it was literally just just a, the visual a physical of it. manifestation. So yeah. I would maybe do that and then add a reward to it, like, oh, now you go get lunch. Yeah, like a simple like, one that I just thought of, like I'm kind of doing it on the spreadsheet, but I think it would be cool maybe like to have a calendar on my wall, and every day I make content, I make an X, because mm -hmm. it's like th there's a certain amount of momentum that you get from from doing that, and then like I was saying earlier with the meditation, it's like I'm at the point where it starts to feel uncomfortable if I don't do it. And that, that's a good sign, I think. And I made these, um, I use ClickUp, which is a um, project management system for work. And I made the content calendar in this board view where like each post will have a photo. And then like when you look at it from the board view, you can see all the posts that you've like concepted. And then I can take, once it's ready for needs approval for my boss to look at it, I like visually take the, it and drag it into this other column and it's like needs approval. And that like feels so good to like, instead of just like sending an email like I used to with like all the posts for the week mm -hmm. and him like replying back like which ones are approved. The fact that I can like slide each one to this like little thing is really satisfying and visual, like yeah. visualize it. I'm yeah. much more visual like that. Like I don't like to just check it off on a list. I like to actually like see it and like see all my posts like lined up how, they, how they're gonna look. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like your point, like with technology, there's so many ways that we can, you know, improve these habits and stuff. Cause like something I, I know a lot of people do is um, the screen time on your iPhone, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you can get a notification every week of how much time you have, you're on your screen. And I know that that helps people use their phone less. Just, just the fact that 
you know it's being tracked. Like, right. It's not even public. Although James Clear does talk about like making things public to keep accountability, like, you know, I, like for me, like on my watch, right? Like this little activity ring, like, like no one cares if I close it or not. Like no one's like checking in on me that I'm closing it, but I feel weird if I don't close it, you know, mm -hmm. just cause I know it's being tracked. And I like to look back and like you said, and you can see like, oh wow, the past three months I've closed my activity, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm interested, this is, uh, sorry, fog a little riff. I'll see how you guys feel about it. Like if, would you be interested in, this is turning into app brainstorm session. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, basically if you could put up, say like a hundred dollars, um, and, uh, in escrow and it basically checks if you've actually meditated every day or worked out, burned a certain amount of calories or basically been on your screen more than a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, and then if you break it, say that hundred dollars goes to like a charity or, um, you just lose the money or your friend or something. Or maybe your friend. Yeah. yeah. Like, would you, or maybe would you submit a nude photo and the nude photo goes to the Oh yeah. Exactly. Some, you this is packed. Yeah. Like, it, like it, hardcore. Yeah. Like it sends a boss. It sends, it sends an email to your boss. Like, fuck you. I quit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like, would you guys be interested in that? I would, I would totally be interested in that. I, well, the money, especially like a hundred bucks, you know, in an automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Should we, should we head up to James Clear? For <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good angel. Some, he can see us. Yeah. I think, cause that's kind of like a virtual habit contract. It's mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know. It's it, yeah. I like the, I love that idea. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should cut this part out so no one takes the idea. Locks you sorry, out. sorry, Wilson, I'm I'm piecing. <laughs> Locks you out of your social media for a certain yeah. time period. Yeah. You know? Oh, or maybe like goes and pokes your crush on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, leaves your most searched people. Yeah, who you search the most. Interesting. Yeah, I like, like that. screenshots your search history and post it on all your platforms or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you when you were saying like you like the visual stuff? There's this whole like subset of Twitter that's about like kind of tools for thought um, and the people that kind of pioneered the, a lot of computing and the computing interfaces were really interested like how do we build these artifacts that basically make us smarter or more like more productive and like how can we and he, he actually gets into this too like designer environments how can we structure the world around us such that we can like uh, basically be the people we want to be. Um, I think one thing is like, yeah, having that like kind of ritual and that visual feedback is um, one way to form habits and like, how can we design, yeah, the environment around us to better achieve like what mm. we, what we want to do in life. And uh, I really like the tools for thought people that are like, okay, how can we as designers make humans environments better? So versus like say, um, worse you know like yeah because like, right now, now people in capitalism are like oh like sugar and cigarettes and all these things and but there's also another way i think that you can mm -hmm. steer, and right now after know. watching that social dilemma mm -hmm. um everything is kind of technology is being used to distract us right now and even with our email the guy was like addicted to his email mm -hmm. and it's a he talks about in the book um, a slot machine, and that's what our phone is, is it's a slot machine. And it's, he says, like, it's, he didn't say this. He, he talked about slot machines 
like art and video games are very addicting because people like like they like doing it i guess it for for it to be addicting you have to like it and that's what instagram is it's showing everything that you like and you're interested in so we're just like set up to like fail and spend too much time on all these like platforms are like in our email we get like tons of like companies trying to get us to buy stuff all the time right so right now technology is just so distracting so yeah i would really love to see things go that way where like we can use it for good more yeah and as a as a pitch the only the only solution to problems uh, like technological problems is like more technology and i think i'm very against this idea that like okay some companies are bad, so then we need, like, the government to regulate them all. Instead, we just need, like, more companies to, like, almost like, counter counterbalance them. Because like, I was going to say, I, I've seen that uh, they have that phone that, like, doesn't do any apps. And it's like a, it's like the, it's like a Kindle screen. It's not even, like, an LED screen. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's kind of like an anti-technological piece of technology. Mm-hmm. But you think that, do you think that that's like not a good solution? I well, I guess it is. No, it is more technology. That is a good solution. It is more yeah. technology though, even though it's like trying to take I think there's technology. now, I heard a social media a need, yeah. app that's, um, it, I can't exactly remember, but it was something where it's less addicting. And they're trying to like push it like this is a help. <laughs> it's like a social media app that like sucks to be on. Yeah, but then <laughs> it's, it's like, like but then no one's gonna be on it. Yeah, you know yeah. So yeah, I mean, I but think... if everyone gets together and is like, let's all use this because it won't like, like this is where we post our stuff, but it won't keep us glued as much. It's like maybe if everyone's using it, like. Well, I think it's just like like being aware of the effect it has on you because like like on you know, my social media, if somebody posts something that like that I know makes me angry and they do this consistently, like I just unfollow them. Like I don't care if you're my friend or not, like I just, I don't want to see their stuff. And so like, you can kind of curate, you can design your environment, your virtual environment, your physical environment. Like you were saying, like you leave your your ring light on your bed to remind you to film. Like I do, I literally do the same thing. It's funny you said that. But like, like on my social media, like most of the people I follow now are um, like skateboarders and fitness people. So it's like every time I go on social media, I'm like, oh yeah, like this this hypes me up to like make a new recipe or to go skate or to like go lift. It's just like always like something that makes me, it's never like, oh, this is like triggers me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's just, I don't know, it doesn't do any good. Yeah, I think honestly the social media documentary uh, there's something there that yeah, the companies are optimizing for your attention and uh, that can be bad but the solution isn't to make the social media companies like a GSE and like what's a GSE? Uh, yeah I don't, I don't know why it's like government sponsors government sponsored entity oh, okay. right um, the solution is for everyone to understand that learn how to be on the internet and be like a citizen of the internet and not be and like be able to meter themselves and learn good habits. Like yeah. technology is like the internet's so promising and we, but we just need like bottom up, learn how to use it. Yeah. Yet, like, yeah. It's like an education issue. Not, or it's education, not regulation. <laughs> <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Put that on a bumper sticker. Boom. Why aren't you writing that down? Should I, should I live tweet it? <laughs> um, I like how we're kind of going off on tangents about that it's not even really about habits. But like, um, yeah. Yeah. Education, not regulation. I do think a, uh, Shane was talking about this a bit, but uh, trying to create too many habits at once is uh, an anti-pattern. And I, yeah, anti-pattern, because I brought it to you, you know, it's like in software, a pattern is, is like a, a pattern that you pro apply to problems uh, over and over again and they work. So an anti-pattern is a pattern that you apply to a problem and it's actually bad. It's like it goes against your, your best interest. And so anti-pattern is like, okay, I want to like become a better person. So I'm going to do this whole, I'm going to start this whole set of new habits. Right. Like I'm just going to be a great person. But then you try to do like 10 new habits and you end up accomplishing none of them. And you give up. And you give up. Yeah. yeah you feel bad. Like, you feel like overwhelmed. Yeah. So it's way better actually to just like hone in on one. Um, because doing one is going to be hard enough. There's going to be days where you wake up and you don't want to do that one thing. I agree. And until that one thing becomes just like automatic, like breathing, then you don't try to do a new habit. And I think, uh, and then that again, it comes back to like picking the habit that you really like and not just trying to do everything. Uh, cause I did that in college actually. Um, I remember a like, conversation with Luke. Friend Luke Silverman Lloyd. <laughs> Shout out to Luke. Even though he's a socialist, they have made a good point. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to like learn skateboard and Spanish and guitar and this and that. And he was like, he was like, I don't know if that's gonna work. Like, I think it'd be better just like master one thing for like a year or ten years and then move on to the next thing. And I was like, I wasn't trying to hear it, but I think that was actually a really good point. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I think about that a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Andy talks about, like, some people get really overwhelmed by tracking as well. And he talks about the importance of tracking correctly. Like, he gave the example of a restaurant can, like, start tracking yeah. who, like, purchases, like, how much food people are buying. And that's not always the best way to track whether your chef is good. Because that could be, you know... You, there's could customer be, service involved. There's. It could be like, oh, it's uh, tourist season, and there's more yeah. people coming to the restaurant. So he said, he said that the this restaurant owner started tracking how much people, uh, how much food people leave on their plates, mm -hmm. and that was a better measure of this chef's performance. As is he making delicious snacks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, and he gave the example of the scale, like the scale can only motivate you sometimes for so long because you're going to start hitting like that plateau where you're not seeing results as much. So maybe start, you know, shifting focus on your food log and like every day tracking, did I write my food log or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. like that. Yeah, there's a uh, interesting little like idea called Goodhart's Law where um, once uh, once some measure, like once you start measuring something as a part of a goal, it ceases to be a good measure because once yeah. you basically assign the metric, you start optimizing in a bad way to get that metric. So that actually happens a lot with weight loss. You're like, I want to get to this weight. You assign that goal. And now you start doing, uh, like deleterious things to get to that goal. Like, yeah, like, uh, like fasting way too hard and then you end up binge eating and like, 
it's really interesting in business too. Like once you assign a goal, people start optimizing for that goal and doing uh, yeah harmful things. So like my job is, uh, it's a great example of that because like there's like, yeah, they measure you on metrics. So you start trying to perform the metrics and not actually like make money. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's actually a different thing. Like they're correlated, but like if you focus too hard on the measure, then the measurement becomes the goal basically. And right. I find so, that with content creators too. If you get too stuck on like, oh, what content is doing the best and then only posting those kind of videos, like maybe it's like shock funny content and you're only posting shock funny content, then you're not exploring all these other great ways of making content that you may like be really great at and could end up like going viral or um, you could end up, end up loving um, mm -hmm. because you're like so focused on like, what video is getting the most views? Like if I like looked at my Instagram, it would be like any photo where like my butt is involved. <laughs> so like, does that mean I should only post butt photos? Some girls end up doing that. Yeah. And then they have an OnlyFans and that's their career for the rest of their life. But that's not the person that I want to be long-term. Not like if that's what you do, like you do you girl, like I'm jealous, <laughs> honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's system like, versus goals. It's getting like yeah. too tied into the metrics sometimes when I think that's what's happening on social media is the goal is attention to screen time, right? And so now they do everything to maximize screen time. And then that, and what maximizes screen time right now, unfortunately, is like uh inflammatory news controversy the boomers and our goal is to, <laughs> and our goal with social media is to socialize like that's what it was supposed to be a social media mm -hmm. platform and then it's keeping people from being social like you're at a restaurant and everyone's on their phone instead of actually like talking to each other across the table yeah yeah i think that's why you see it's interesting or my kind of philosophy on business now is becoming that startups kind of get together and it's like these group of like entrepreneurs and builders and like creatives like they just want to build something cool right and if you ask them their goal like they haven't built anything so there's no goal and it is more like they're just trying to build something new like that is their goal it's very intrinsic and then when they finally get off the ground and they start making money it starts becoming a business where they start saying like oh i need this metric like when Instagram started, they're like, oh, I just want people to share photos, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't even probably no concept of money. And then once they uh, got bought by Facebook, they're part of a public company, and now it's about like attention and click-through rate and ads. Sure. And as you know, shareholders. And, um, and speaking of willpower, we should all know that Chris does not have an Instagram, so he's the real <laughs> genius in the room. <laughs> Yeah, so Ulysses back. <laughs> but he has every dating app, ladies. So yeah. Is he really? No, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I, I, uh, I'm on Hinge. Really? Yeah. Um, not Tinder, though. Because. Hey, don't talk about Tinder. Sorry. They met on Tinder, but Tinder's ratchet. So. <laughs> no, my friend um, Josh Coenzada basically been talking about Match.com as like a generational investment. And I was like, whatever, dude, like, what do you mean a generation? Like, once in a generation investment, Match.com, like, owns Tinder and Hinge and all these oh, dating do. companies. Oh. And I then, find like, that. They, it's, it's changing the way people are dating. Yeah, people sure. talk about Tinder being ratchet, but 
every dating app, when I was on, like, tried all the dating apps, they all had the same pool of people. Like, <laughs> and except Tinder was the most common one. So I, I did find more people. A bigger pool on Tinder. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it was, like, all these yeah. other ones. Like, there was this one called Coffee Meets Bagel. Mm. And when I got on there, it was, like, you could tell it was the leftover guys that are, like, I'm not getting any results on Tinder. Cold coffee. So I'm going to try <laughs> So I'm going to try this Coffee Meets yeah. Bagel. It's, like, every new app is, like, whittling down the population. It's, like, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's just going through all of the fish. Yeah. Find a good one. yeah. Uh, <laughs> how did we get on the dating? How did this, I, was that, so. uh, I was gonna say that if you see a company try and hit goals too much, it's a sign that they're probably not going to uh, be coming up with new innovative products because the goal-driven development is very antithetical to like discovering basically new products, in my opinion. So, um, and that's why big companies often struggle to build new products. It's kind of the, one of the, the cuts or threads in the innovators dilemma. So, um, interesting, like analogies between business and people yeah. not having goals, having systems. That is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I think back just in my experience, it's like, having goals, you know, it hasn't served me all that well, you know, like it's, it, you don't have to think about your goal that much. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of what the message of this book is like, like you can literally think about it like one time, hypothetically be like, Oh, I want to make a million dollars, but it's it, then, you know, you don't have to like wake up and like, you know, get on your knees and be like, I need a million dollars every day. It's like you start, you start creating, the system of a millionaire, basically, uh, which sounds like so corny. And, you know, I, I think, I think like this book, it's a little different and I'm trying to like put my finger on it. It's a little different than like the idea of like reverse engineering from a goal because it's, the, it's not even about goals. Like, like we were saying when I brought up the weight loss and like, once I lost some weight, it was hard for me to keep dieting. It's because it's be, it was because I was so goal oriented. But then it's like, now it's like, oh, I just want to be healthy, perform well at work. I'm never going to like finish that goal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if it's like, oh, I want to, I like eating well because it, it helps me be a better boyfriend and a better employee. And I want to do that every day. Like there's never going to be a time where I'm like, whew, okay, well, glad I'm done with it. Do you know what I mean? I guess it's still a goal. But it's like a daily goal. I don't know. And it's like diving into just, it's it definitely gets into that semantics. Like it sounds like a goal, but there is like you can you can see the yeah like the qualitative diff qualitative difference between like saying I want to lose X weight and I want to be healthy. You know, like yeah. they're they're definitely one's more much more reductive than the other one. Yeah, I mean I would go so far as say anytime you see like a like an overly quantitative goal, it's probably going to end up being a flawed system. Like. Uh, like school, like college is so bad because everyone's just optimizing for GPA. So then the professor and the professors are optimizing for basically ratings. And so what happens is school's just super inflated and easy. And like that, like a good GPA is what's important, not getting an education. Yeah, not having a good skill set, right? 
Um, so right. there's a difference between goals and objectives. Goals are general, intangible, broad, abstract, strategic, and objectives are specific, measurable, narrow, concrete, and tactical. So I guess the, by that like definition, then that you do want goals, you don't want objectives as much. Because <laughs> like I like the intangible, broad idea of, oh, I'm I'm gonna be healthy. Like I want to be healthy. It's like. You're never going to get to a point where you're like, well, I'm glad I got healthy now. I but can do I want, <laughs> but you, know? you do want measurable things like by the habit tracking sense of like to get healthy, did I do these three things? Did I write my food journal? Did I go work out? Did I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky uh, problem. Like I think if they had figured out the goals versus systems, like every business would be applying it, but it's hard mm-hmm. because if you don't, then once you don't have the goal in the sense of like having something you track really rigorously, you fall into like, well, how do we know if we're making progress? Mm-hmm. And so that's why the goal always pops up. Or how do you make comparisons across different groups? Right. So you and can't get things, rid of the goals, but like, so it takes some mastery. That's yeah. why. And yeah. some things take just trust, like, um, a like brand awareness there's really no way to track it unless you're like doing surveys and figuring out like who how did you find out about a brand was it word of mouth or was it an influencer or was it a tv ad or a radio ad you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because like we can yes we can track like how many people bought from this specific link but some of it is going to be brand awareness of like no, I didn't buy right now, but later I went and Googled the website and like went and bought that thing because it stuck in my head. Or then I saw that brand at Target and I thought about that ad and I bought it. Like some things aren't measurable and you just have to like, just hope it works. You yeah. know, that's what a lot of advertising is, I find. And you've talked about that being difficult for you, like when you worked in marketing, because it was, it, some of those things are so hard to actually like track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this book was really good, and it's—I I don't know—I would just recommend it to anyone. It's—it's it's a pretty like simple topic, or yeah. Yeah, I think even if you already are feel like you know understand habits, have this kind of personality, it's still useful. Like my parents make fun of my family, makes fun of me for being just like very habitual, and I still had a lot of value in this book. So I think. I think I'll read it again, just as like a refresher. It's one of these things you can return to. So whether you're new, you don't really think about life like this as like trying to program yourself to have the optimal system, or if you're someone like me that that's all you think about, I think it's a really good read. Listen. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's powerful just to get to kind of automate your life in a in a way, you know. Yeah. The less you have to like think about things and use your willpower, I think the better he does he does mention at the end like the downside of it which i thought was good that he talked about that and that you know like you get so used to let's say we have a habit of making this podcast this way on a certain day in a certain time it's like we could get so used to doing it that way that we might not see like oh wait maybe we should tweak it because it just becomes so automatic Mm -hmm. that maybe it's not optimal um i think that's what um is really important about the thing he said with making it challenging but not too hard so always like taking a bore like the boring habit and like 
always tweaking it a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, but at the end of the day, it's like, I know for me, it's more important just to get, <laughs> to have it going than to make mm -hmm. it optimal. Um, yeah. when, it, when it comes to any of this stuff, like finance, business, physical health, and Chris Williamson talks a lot about automating, like he said automating, but um, Chris Williamson goes into detail on like how to automate more things in your life. Yeah. And I found that like just telling Siri to remind me like to do things instead of having my brain filled up with this, like Shane, you need to do this, 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 and this, and like having something automate. And I went and automated all my bills after listening to this like Chris Williamson podcast and yeah. um, just using like you said earlier using the technology for good yeah because it's like I at one point was the type to like wake up right before work like with just enough time to shower get dressed and drive to work and like that's what I was doing every day and then like I realized that okay if I wake up earlier I could I could pray, I could meditate, I could journal, I could work out in the morning, I could read, and like slowly but surely I started waking up earlier and stacking these things, and it's like, now I don't even know, I mean, the past year I've slept in past eight, seven, like one time, because I feel, it's like, I don't even think like, oh, I better get up early because I got all this shit to do, it's like, I just do it, and my, literally, it's like my body starts doing these things. Oh, yeah, and you then know? biologically, you just start waking up at the same time. Yeah, like I automatically go to my computer, drink some caffeine, open up my spreadsheets and my journal, and I start doing it. It's like, mm -hmm. um... So. I, I like that this book, it doesn't give you the shame. Like, a lot of times you hear, like, a motivational thing, and you kind of have some shame with it, but he really deep, deep dives into the psychology and you understand why you are failing at certain things, bad habits. And so, like you said, you realized, well, coffee is really my only reward. So and now like I think us working together and figuring out what are some rewards that we can stack in the middle of like these harder habits. And so it's not like hard habit, hard habit, hard habit, hard habit, hard habit. It's like hard habit reward, hard habit reward, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think us being able to figure that out, like more rewards in between these hard things will really help us just as humans, like it's not possible to just do like hard, 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 hard all day. You have to have like the rewards. Yeah, I agree. Um, Any closing remarks? I think uh, make it easy. The yeah. more time you spend doing your habit, the better. So yeah. it's kind of like in investing, I say time in the market is better than timing the market. Like just keep your money in there and it'll do its thing. Don't worry about like putting it in and getting it out at the perfect time. I think with habits like exercise, like just the time you put into it is more important than like perfectly optimizing yeah. it. Yeah. Like you start with taking a walk down the block and back, you know, that's it. Yeah. Great things start small. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the, I mean, we didn't even talk about it. That's kind of the title, right? It's like atomic. It's yeah, small, little, tiny thing. Um, yeah, so. Don't worry about what your workout's going to be at the gym. Just worry about getting to the gym and doing something that you enjoy first. And then slowly. Yeah. It's rib curls.
for two minutes <laughs> and then uh, I go used to get a little pump and then I can then He talks about stretching, <laughs> like stretching being your thing. Pump and fluff, that's what I First. call it. Just kind of fluff your butt muscle up and get out of there. <laughs> cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on, Chris. Always good to have you. And uh, thank you for watching. <laughs>